Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for subscribing, listening, uh, and leaving comments. Always trying to get better, so look forward to all your feedback to help me do that, help us do that, sharing this knowledge on the internet. This podcast medium is pretty awesome. So we got our, our iTunes approval. We're up, so episodes one and two are on there, and if you're you're here listening to this, and thanks, family and friends, quite frankly, for being the early adopters there, then you know we're there. So uh, check it out. We're uh, on Twitter. At PSC to PMP kind of symbolizes my transition from a planning section chief to a, a project manager. I'm working on the PMP credential now, meaning I'm studying so I can get that uh, exam scheduled and, and really validate more so that, that handle. But uh, also on Facebook, so check me out there at PSC to PMP as well and, and on LinkedIn. And, and our website is www.betweenthislides.com and have more info and I'll post updates there. and. Those will push out the new episodes as well. So kind of a standard model many other people use, but that's that's why it's a standard because it works pretty good. So why this why this topic? Um, the Incident Command System 100 is a required course, just like I mentioned NIMS 100 was in the, in the previous episode of this podcast for government workers for sure. It's highly recommended for the private sector. Uh, the Incident Command System, this is that really can be tactical, but, but we'll get into this in a second too. It doesn't have to be how you use this, but this is the command and coordination component, the primary component of it. And it is it is the first step uh, in the stairway. I'm using all these uh, euphemisms, euphemisms, I guess, to get to become an incident management team member, then a trainee, and then a credentialed person, and then keep going and get experience, and then help mentor other people. You have to understand these principles in ICS 100. You just have to get them down. At this point, if you're someone that's taken this course, again, it's on that email list, hey, take this course within two weeks, and you're never going to use it because you work in, in largely non-public safety areas use this, and healthcare uses it some with kind of HICS, and I'm going to do a whole episode in the future about HICS versus kind of plain ICS, uh, so I won't get into that now, but <clears throat> excuse me, there's you know certain disciplines that just don't use the incident command system, but to help be NIMS compliant and to help train people for the right reasons, then then everyone needs to get trained. So an, an example is say I'm I'm in accounting and every now and then I go sit in the EOC or Emergency Operations Center and I never use the incident command system. It'll pay for me to really understand these positions while I'm taking the course. And then for the emergency managers out there, if you have some primers or some prompts so that folks that are on some sort of call schedule before a snowstorm or a hurricane, and they're going to be those people coming in to cover the EOC, just to remind them of what these positions are. If, if they're you know sitting in one of those emergency support functions that's looped into the incident command system as a hybrid or something. So same methodology. Uh, I, I explained why I think it's hugely important. It's it's critical for incident management team uh, budding folks that are trying to get into it. Maybe a, a refresher. We've seen folks, and by we, myself and friends of mine, colleagues that teach the O-305 class. That's that week-long boot camp to, to start your journey to open a task book to be credentialed as, a, as in any position in incident management. Folks come to that course even and they don't remember what positions do. And by then, they should have had incident command system 100, 200, 300, maybe even 400. So if you don't remember things after you take this course, no big deal. It's online. Uh, recommend again in person. But... So how am I going to do this? I taught it, so some through memory, some through just reminders, again, of, of important things to remember when you take a, a course and then you have to go back into the world and try to remember it or apply it 
And then I look at the course overviews and objectives and combining that with some, some real world stuff. So I'm just gonna start with the obvious. You have to know what the position titles are. So my first between the slides five tip is you have to know them in generally what they do. And I say generally, because at this point in your training or even as a reminder, um, but more so for, for new folks, you don't have to know what every unit in every section does and how they do it and how to do a personnel accountability report if you're part of the resource unit that's in the planning section to try and make sure everyone's safe. You, that's a way down the road thing, so don't worry about it. But you do need to know that the planning section generally, uh, it, it facilitates a planning process. So, And I'll circle back to that just as a reminder of what each section does. So the two big buckets of the incident command system uh, really responsibilities include command staff and general staff. And again, these are positions. So there's different elements of the incident command system like plain language, and I'll get into some of those as well, that, that also align with the National Incident Management Principles. So focusing right now on what the position titles generally do. So the command staff are the, the four boxes on the top of the org chart of an incident command system. So they comprise the incident commander, the public information officer, a safety officer, and a liaison officer. So the incident commander is in charge. They have ultimate responsibility. They help shape and sign off on the objectives and the incident action plan, which is the document that's created through the all hazards planning process that you'll get into in ICS 200 and 300. And then certainly when you take the O-305 class, you get into that a whole lot. And, and hopefully you're exposed to it well, a lot more outside of those classes because it's it's one of those things with repetition. So. And anyway, circling back, the incident commander has ultimate responsibility for that, for everybody on the team, for everybody on the incident. Pretty obvious, you know, the term incident commander implies they are in charge. Uh, the safety officer in charge of safety. Crazy concept, right? That's a great thing about the incident command system is it's really not complicated. It's the nuance of how you apply it that, that gets kind of tricky or, or presents the challenge. The public information officer, as you would imagine, they put together media releases. They coordinate with the media on when and how often uh, representatives from that incident or a special event are going to brief the media. They'll coordinate the joint information system. They will coordinate and set up the area of the joint information center. Remember, the center is a physical place. The system is, is really just PIOs talking to each other and coordinating messages. And the liaison officer, that's our um, our cruise director from the love boat, if you will. It's an icon I used in some training and a great uh, friend of mine that's an emergency manager um, have had a great example to use that. So, and, you know, they get the pulse of the team. Uh, the liaison officer does. How, how are we doing? Are we getting along as a, as a team or an incident command system with folks outside of our team? Do we have contact information for uh, all our partners in the area? So they're really making sure that we're keeping in touch and we're aware of any political issues or um, historical areas that we shouldn't operate in or just kind of, you know, what does the team need to know of and do we have the contacts that we need? So again, the command staff is the incident commander, the safety officer, the public information officer, and the liaison officer. So after the command staff, there are four sections. There's a planning section, an operations section, a logistics section, and a finance and admin section. So the planning section, 
often folks get confused that the planning section will just put the plan together and tell everybody. And that that's kind of couldn't be furthest from the truth. The planning section's job is to be the game show host of the process that we all work together on to create that plan. In fact, it's it's largely a plan created by operations when we get down that road. So the planning section's primary responsibility is facilitate the all hazards planning process, which we won't get into a whole lot in this course, and then uh, lead their lead their section, right? So if you're a section chief, a legitimate section chief, you are a leader for sure with huge responsibility. So in planning, your big buckets of responsibility include accountability in that resource unit, checking folks in, making sure they know where they're going, providing situational awareness and a common operating picture through the situation unit, and making sure that the event or incident has a good record and you collect all the official documentation through a documentation unit, and then making sure that we get folks uh, away from the event or incident safely and, and healthily um, afterwards and we get all their stuff back, quite frankly, through a demobilization unit. So the planning section is resource unit, situation unit, documentation unit, and demobilization unit. I'm going to come back to operations because it's a little more dynamic. Um, the logistics section, that's kind of your combination of, geez, UPS and food services and Home Depot. It's that, you know, they get us the stuff, the people, the supplies. Uh, so the logistics section has, and these are all led by chiefs is the title of these folks, um, has two main branches, service and support. So in the service branch, that service is provided to the team, to the incident command system, members of the incident command system organizational structure. And in the support branch, that services that are provided to everyone, it could include team members, and then also folks not directly on the team, meaning the public and other, other folks. So in the, in the services area, we focus on the medical support to everyone involved through a medical unit. We, uh, we have a food unit because we all got to eat. And then we have a communications unit that makes sure we can all talk. So if you remember the previous episode, I talked about interoperability. So the communication unit's that one that makes sure that uh, us knuckleheads that don't really know the radio as well as they do, don't put it on the wrong zone or have the wrong phone number. And they make sure that we, we can all talk to each other. So in, in bad times, we don't have to worry about changing a radio channel. All right, so in that support branch under the logistics section, again, this is stuff that both the team and the public and the people around us will use. So they're going to provide supplies in the supply unit, and that could be those left-handed screwdrivers to pallets of, of water to a whole bunch of stuff. Um, a facilities unit, so that facilities unit is going to work with that public information officer to establish that space for a joint information center is kind of how that flow of working together works. And then a ground support unit that's going to help transport all the public information officers from one area to another as needed or large groups of people that are going to be working on operations. So that support is supplies, facilities, and ground support. And then that finance and administrative section is going to also have four units just like planning does. So finance and administration, as you can imagine, they make sure that things get paid for, they track the burn rate on how much we're spending at an event or an incident, and it's not in the forefront of people's minds as much as more of the high speed stuff, but it should be, and it's a great way to track um, whether you have a, a 
no notice event and you can spin up some sort of tracking mechanism, particularly if you have time, you have an annual event that you use an incident command system for, which you should as often as possible, then you wanna get finance and admin involved uh, early. Often when this course is taught and other courses, they think, well, finance and admin is later. And yes, you don't need them on the scene of an active shooter, uh, you know, but for the ongoing costs of running facilities you'll need for counseling and family assistance and those kind of things, you want them involved uh, sooner rather than later. So the units in finance and admin is the time unit, which is kind of like the timekeeper's time card. As you can imagine, how much are we spending on somebody? This person's hanging around. They cost a lot of money, but they're not really doing a whole lot. So they can help us balance that. Procurement unit. So these are the folks that are going to work really closely with logistics, who's trying to buy all the wonderful stuff that operations is going to ask for uh, and try and get some sensible contracts and maybe they already have some you know pre-priced things so they're going to be a close connection with logistics through procurement unit the cost unit similarly so they're going to be tracking all the costs of that burn rate i mentioned um, the rate of responders of facilities of time of supplies and this is this is key too particularly after um, disasters where a lot of contractors are gonna come in and help with clean up that debris removal. Uh, as you can imagine, not everyone, and this may be shocking, is honest after that. So some folks will come in and try and price gouge, as we've seen on the news after even the hurricanes here in, in the Carolinas in September of 2018 this year. And so a cost unit, when you start seeing charges come in, maybe for companies that are hauling things, uh, can help keep tabs on, wait a minute, why did this price show up, just go up 50 bucks an hour for this other company? And, and, and just they can really help everybody save that money. And fiscal responsibility is often a huge, one, we should do it, but it's often could be an administrative objective as well and, and often has been on, on events and incidents that have been on. And then the last uh, unit, certainly not least in the finance and admin section is the compensation and claims unit. So this is kind of that human resource piece. That's what I always equate it to and workman's compensation piece. So they'll help us for equipment damages, people that are hurt, help us process. So as that medical unit is helping coordinate care for our own people, that comp and claims unit will help process their workman's compensation. So finance admin sections, time unit, procurement unit, compensation claims unit, and cost unit. So now circling back to operations, and I'm circling back to them to really emphasize the point, and this is number two, but it's also my number two between, between the slides, five, but also a section in, in the general staff in the incident command system is first the principal, everyone in every other box and every other unit I just talked about is here to do their best to support the operations section people that are the boots on the ground that are the nurses out there doing disease investigation, that are the staff that are counting runners as they go by. Anyone we send out in the field to do something for an event or an incident that's in operations, we need to make sure that, that we're accounting for them, that we're tracking their time, that we're looking out for their best interest. All the stuff I just mentioned is all for them. Um, some is public facing for sure, but these are our people. So it's critical uh, to remember this. So operations doesn't have a set structure. It's got set positions and set levels of how you organize. And when I say set, I mean really by title and kind of by how you split up an incident, which largely equates to functional or geographic and then maybe a combination of that. So the operations section has a chief as well. So the ops chief 
can then have a branch director. So the next structure under the, the operations section chief is a, a branch. So branches could be functional, like a fire branch, a police branch, an EMS branch, a public health branch. And as the name implies, that branch is completely only focused on those functions. The other way you can set up a branch is geographically, meaning you could have a north, south, east, and west branch, and the focus is, hey, north branch director, your whole focus is the north part of the county. So a branch can be dynamic, but they have directors as the title. Under branches, the next organizational levels level, and these two are on the same level, is either a group, which is a functional uh, thing, or a division, which is geographic. So here, as you can imagine, we've started with the one box as an operations section chief. Then we can split to one, two, however many, right? Let's stay with that optimal five span of control, if we can, every time to the best of our ability. And then we say, you know what, we're getting a lot of people. We, we can't keep having all these branches. Let's throw some groups and divisions under a couple of these branches. So we're going to make an EMS group under the fire branch. And the whole job for them is, as you would imagine, emergency medical service. So EMS, emergency medical service. And then under, let's say, the police branch, we say, you know what, I, we need, we're going to have officers all over the place. So I'm going to have a north, south, east, and west division. And, and we're going to have traffic posts within those divisions. So geographically, my people are going to be spread out and they're going to stay there. Uh, the groups can travel all around. They can travel through divisions. They don't work for division supervisors and groups and divisions are led by supervisors. That's the title. So as you can start to see, as you expand your org, it's kind of moving your chess pieces around on what's going to be the most efficient, and most expedient way for me to set up this organizational chart. Under the next level down under groups and divisions are task forces and strike teams. So a task force is a mix of resources, whether it's from the same discipline, meaning you could have a, a brush jeep, an engine and a tanker from fire. And that's a task force because they're not all they don't all have the same capability and they're not all doing the same job. Or you could mix disciplines where like a rescue task force for an active shooter response has medics, uh, meaning paramedics or EMTs with law enforcement folks. You have people with guns who's focused on security and you have people with medical bags focused on patient care. So that's a task force, mixed resources. A strike team is the same resources. So if I have a law enforcement or a traffic strike team and I say, hey, I'm gonna put a traffic strike team of five officers, they're gonna cover this area. And then they're all doing the same thing. They're all providing law enforcement services and they're all the same type of resource. And that could be a public health nurse strike team, an EMT strike team, it doesn't matter. So strike team's the same kind of resources and type of resource. And um, a task force is a mix of resources. And then under task force and strike team, we've got single resources. So a single resource can be any kind of technical expert, just someone with some sort of knowledge we need to have in the operations section they may report directly to the section chief. They may report uh, directly to a branch director. They don't have to be in order, so to speak. It may just be some sort of expertise or we just need one of something. So the operations section, again, from the section level down is section, branch, group or division, strike team or task force, and single resource. So my number three out of the between the slides five is 
really three kind of three concepts from the NIMS management piece. So that unified command, and and the reason I mentioned it in this incident command system course is because this is where you can really apply it. Unified command is an example, meaning police and fire are right next to each other in a in a different kind of system, like I worked in in a police fire and EMS that we're all talking to each other, working together, coordinating resources, combining our objectives, working resource management together. You're you're truly unified, and you're not letting the patches get in the way, the egos, the caller device levels, but you're really working together. It's a huge principle from NIMS that needs to be applied in ICS. Establishing command. So that is the key principle that needs to happen. And I'll get into this a bit more in the next episode with uh, putting together a, a combined actor threat a training response program. But it, fire department establishes command every day in different incidents. I think it's hit or miss with law enforcement, and that's that's again, I'm I'm not a law enforcement background kind of guy. That's feedback that I've gotten. Some areas are doing really good at it. Some folks are still kind of behind the curve. But establishing command doesn't just say I'm in charge, I'm in command. It also lets other agencies know where you are, where problems are, where help is needed, and it sets the tone for the entire event or operation. So it's huge. So use unified command, establish that command, tell people where it is, and then. The key uh, incident action planning, and we'll get into this when we do the ICS 200 podcast and, and a little heavier into O-305, the all hazard incident management uh, short course summary that I'll do. But incident action planning means that all those positions in the incident command system I mentioned are gonna work together, again, without their egos, busted out of their silos, and we're gonna work a process together and effectively put together a plan that's going to take care of our operations people to help solve the problem that we've been asked to come take care of if you're part of an incident management team or if you're in the emergency operations center and you're supporting an entire locality or an entire entity that we are going to follow a process for project managers it's like going hey are we going to do this as an agile project are we going to use waterfall doesn't matter as long as we're doing something so that we're all talking to each other we're having the meetings we should have we're being as efficient as we can we're communicating uh, and incident action planning is the way that happens in the incident command system and incident management world number four for me in, in principle is I've, I've talked about a lot of positions planning work in this process which we'll get into in another episode i mentioned is is to just use what you need not what people's egos want. And that means don't add a bunch of boxes so someone can have their name in the box and say, well, look, I was this position uh, that I mentioned operations doesn't have really set positions like the other ones have units. It, it's got position levels. That's by design and it's pretty genius because what you need to do is make that org chart right size it for your event, for your operation, for your incident. And so that means you don't need to have five deputy, whatever, you know, section chiefs so that every agency can have their logo there. What you need is an efficient organization. Think of high reliability organizations when you build your org chart that optimizes partnerships, communication. And again, another kind of crossover example in, in project management is how can you apply this? You know, use what you need, not just what someone wants when you have let's say a primary customer, a bunch of different vendors working together, and everybody has interest in the same project. Well, in the incident command system, that happens exactly the same way. It's just, you know, people are vested a little bit different because they're gonna apply fire resources or police resources or EMS or public health, et cetera. 
And then number five for me is to unsilo your org charts. I kind of touched on that as far as using what you need. And that just means don't be afraid to let law enforcement be the operations section chief and have fire or EMS be the deputy operations section chief. Because if you have enough people where you need a deputy, it makes sense. Then you'll need that other as qualified, because remember a deputy, and again, this is kind of an early concept for this class, but a deputy position needs to be able to step up and do the, the chief's job. So again, it's another not just name in the box filler. It should be someone that could actually take over and do that. But that's what I mean when you unsilo your org charts. It means you've got, you look at names and you look at orgs or positions and you know, hey, they're from the fire department, they're from police, they're from public health, they're from public works, they're from social services, but you don't have a bunch of separate org charts just to say, well, I've got my command and I've got this. And I've heard people say that, well, my command is over here and I'm commanding something here. Well, no, there's one incident commander or there's one unified command with, with a few incident commanders working together and there's one command, there's one org chart, that's huge. So how are you gonna take this forward? Uh, use ICS often, even on little things and especially on little things. If you have a small uh, community events, if you have school events, just use it. Meaning, you know, organize yourself and it's early in your training. If you're just starting this for the folks listening to this that do the training or on incident management teams, how often are you getting reps? And if you're not working every special event in your community or your organization using the incident command system, please consider doing it. It's, it's how you get muscle memory so that when the balloon goes up and the real stuff's happening, that you're ready for it. Um, hold yourself and your organization accountable to work a process. Um, be truly unified from the street to the emergency operations center. And, and that's, you know, day-to-day calls is an opportunity to really build relationships so that when folks get in the emergency operations center, there's, you know, a lot of stuff worked out at the street level. And, and I know that changes when you're kind of at the office level. Uh, be Review old incident action plans and that where I mentioned that there could be a lot of deputy positions. Uh, see if you've done that. And if you have, think about your comfort level and, and your ability for you and your partners to, to change that and and build trust through those, la- those planned events. So if you get repetitions through the annual or biannual you know, community um, festival, sporting event, races, then you are going to build, you're going to work through a lot of tough conversations. Um, you're going to help people get past their own egos. You're going to help demolish each other's silos. You're going to just get better as a whole community, right? As a whole company, as a whole entity, as a whole region. And so just use it as often as you can, often as you can, excuse me. So thank you for listening to this. Good luck if you're about to take this class. Um, it's, it's again online, three and a half hours or so in person. Please enjoy it. Ask lots of questions and really start to get to know this stuff so that you can build that strong base as you go forward in the incident command system. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, please subscribe. Uh, I really appreciate it on iTunes. I uh, love this opportunity to, to use the podcast to share information. And I really like teaching um, and look forward maybe to hearing from some other folks that have taught this and have other ideas and just make this kind of more of a two-way conversation. So again, at PSC to PMP on Twitter. Uh, betweentheslides.com for the website and then we are on iTunes between the slides so thank you very much everyone stay safe out there public safety military and everybody else Godspeed